Amen. Well, I hope those songs ministered to you. And here's what I want you to do. You can stand right back on your feet. Boy, we went real fast from this morning. Absolutely non-stop till we arrived back here. My wife was driving and we was headed into the stoplight at Locust Grove and I looked over at her and took a deep breath and I said, it's a tough old life, isn't it? She said, well, it depends what you're comparing it to. I said, it's the only life I've got. She said, I mean, I guess I'm saying when you say it's a tough old life, it's compared to whose life you're comparing it to. I sat there a minute and I said, it's a tough old life compared to those that went home, kicked back in a recliner and took them a nap, watched their watch until time to come back to church. Compared to them, it's a tough old life, isn't it? Her response was, yeah, but for the ones that's in hospitals, the ones that's had to bury loved ones this week, it's not very tough at all. Right? 
Sometimes we have a tough old life simply because we choose to have things that keep us running. Right? And that sometimes seems pretty tough for those that choose not to. That's a choice. That's a choice. Don't ever forget that. But when it's not a choice is when your dad's been diagnosed with cancer. When it's not a choice, it's when your 12-year-old daughter's funeral is Saturday. What's tough is when you're Boyd Rice and you're battling cancer and your caregiver, your caretaker, comes down with a heart issue. When you've got a son that's got a test this week to see what's going on. See, sometimes we say we got a tough old life and you have to be reminded compared to whose life. I'm just was saying life's tough because in this world you have tribulation. But Miss Donna put it in perspective. It just depends whose life you're comparing it to. So I want us to take some time. I know there's been all kinds of prayer requests over there. But right here's Ken. Ron's battling cancer. Could we have some? I mean, other than just a sit down prayer, can we rally around Ron right there? There's Misty. Her mom's battling cancer. Could we get a group that gets together for Boyd and Connie to intercede on our half? I'm just talking about taking it a step farther than sitting in the seats. I'd like some together around Miss Georgia. There's an unspoken on there for art. Let's just spend a little bit of time just lifting those up that's really got a tough life and they really didn't have no choice in the matter.
say this as you're headed back to your seats. You know, you know who was on our prayer list last week? Lonnie McClure. You know who else was on there last week? Annette Hayes. They're still on there this week. It's not them. Maddie Jackson. So a lot of times when we see people that's been on that prayer request for healing and then we see them on there the next week, the next week, they're not on there that their family is, right? I remember praying for Eric Yoder January 6th. John just reminded me it's five years. Tough anniversary for that family this week, huh? But remember we prayed for Eric, we prayed for Eric. When we got the news that Eric had went on to be with the Lord, here's what I'm trying to get across to you folks. Our prayers was answered. They just answered in ultimate healing. They wasn't answered in what our flesh desires, earthly healing. They was answered in eternal healing. And so just take a few moments because those people that was on our prayer chain last week, some of them now it's their family death didn't sting them I'm telling you a nail scarred hand took Lonnie and Nat Melvin Miss Maddie walked them right through the valley of the death shadow of death amen but death is stinging so take a few moments as Miss Addie sings this one more song just to Anytime we're in prayer, we're guilty of praying the same time. You've got a soul on your mind, somebody's heavy on your heart. It'd be a good time as Miss Addie sings. Step out of that crowd, grab somebody, and say, I want to name this name. I want you to agree with me and pray for this soul. Families of those who went on to be with the Lord and lost souls.
And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. And what that song is saying, as you can be seated and they flip on the lights, what that song is saying, for the spirit of heaviness, we should put on the garment of praise. And we should say to that, yes, I will. When we get heavy hearted, when we get heavy burdened, we ought to say, yes, I will praise the Lord. Amen. Because His love never fails. It never runs out on us. We can be a people of gratitude. We're no longer a slave of fear. Amen. And yes, I will praise Him. Well, something to chew on. Remember, we're in that of being a Christian warrior. We have learned out of Ephesians, the struggle is not with flesh and blood, but our struggle of the Christian warrior is with none other than the devil and the demons of hell. We also learned that the stance of the Christian warriors, not run and hide, not squat down, but to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we learned the strength of the Christian warrior is be strong in the Lord. And I hope you're not being like Popeye and leaving the Holy Spirit. He left his spinach at a distance. I hope you're keeping the Holy Spirit staying under the spout where the glory's coming out because that's where your strength's going to come from as a Christian warrior. But then the last message out of Ephesians... We decided the Christian warrior wouldn't be a Christian warrior lest he put on the whole armor of God. Remember we discussed, take a football warrior. Take a guy that's a beast on the field. Take his helmet from him. And guess what? He's not quite the football warrior that he once was. Take his cleats off and give him some Hey, dudes, that's slick and thin-souled, and I promise you, he won't be the warrior on the football field that he once was. If a warrior on the football field needs all of his equipment to be that beast, that warrior on the field that he is, then you and I need to understand we've got to put on every piece of the armor if we're going to be that Christian warrior, and all of God's people ought to be saying to that, a hearty amen. So look here, last week we talked about armor piece number one, and that was gird your waist with the truth. And we talked about that belt would keep you from falling apart. And I promise you, this world would love for you, the devil would love for you to fall apart. But remember we talked about a belt not only keeps you from falling apart, the truth keeps you from falling apart, but the belt of truth also keeps you from falling down. Hard for us to fathom in Bible days they went to do battle in skirts, or if you will, tunics. And so, listen... They would pull that up and tuck it in their belt and lest their, lest their tunic trip them up. And let me tell you, you need to have your waist girded with the truth because the devil would love to deceive you with a lie and when he does, he can trip you up. And so we've got to gird our waist with the truth. 
But then secondly, we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate covers the vital organs. If there's ever one, ever part of the body that we need covered, it is the heart because the Bible said it's exceedingly wicked. And when we've had a heart change, we need to cover the heart. And because, look here, the devil can do the simplest thing and put it in the heart of man. And he's so evil and the heart's so evil, he can take and run with it and that thing can snowball into, into some demonic things. Amen. And then, lastly, we knew that we had to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. And we know there's some people that need some help getting up the slippery slope to Calvary. And the only place you're going to get saved is by faith at the foot of an old rugged cross. And so we as Christians who have been to the foot of Calvary need to be sure we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace so we can take others and lead them to this mount called Calvary, to the foot of the old rugged cross. So we put on three pieces of the armor, and tonight we'll have something to chew about as we put on the other three. So look here, the fourth piece of armor, look at verse 16, Ephesians chapter 6, and notice the first two words of that verse. Now it seems like when we're told to get armored up as a Christian warrior, as a soldier of the cross, and He's told us to gird our waist with the truth. He's told us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And then He has told us to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And in the next verse, He says, Above all, what that ought to cause every one of us to do when the writer, that be the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has got three pieces of armor on you, and then he starts the next verse with, above all, let me tell you what that ought to do. He said, above all, it ought to have you scoot to the front six inches of your seat and see what he's fixing to say. What is so important that he said, above all, above all, he says, above all, all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, I tried to look this up and have a little understanding when it was written to people in Bible days. The shield is the first piece of armor that's not stationary. It can be moved. You got that? And how the shield of faith worked in Bible days, it would be a sheet of metal, a handhold behind it. So everybody stand with me. The metal thick enough it could stop the arrows. But on this sheet of metal that had the handle for you to carry, it had a tunic. It had a hide that was over it. And on that hide before you'd go to battle, now listen to this, they would saturate that with water because the arrows in that day would be lit afire. So not only would this shield of faith stop the arrow, but because it had a hide that was saturated with water, it would stop the arrow, but it also 
quench the fire, put the fire out. So you kind of have an idea of what this shield of faith. And Paul says, above all, you better not get to battle without that shield of faith. Because, look here, in my mind I'm thinking, well, if you forgot the breastplate of righteousness, bam, you can cover it with the shield of faith. Huh? Above all, you better have the one you can move to where the protection's needed. So he says, above all, the shield of faith. Now, we've got to stop long enough to kind of think about faith there, don't we? So number one, what is faith? And when, when I have to think of a word that I come up with in my preaching that I don't know what it means, I have to ask Siri, and she usually takes me to a fellow by the name of Webster to find the definition of that word. But aren't it something that God put the definition of this word in the book? You don't have to ask Siri. Do you know the definition of faith is tucked away in God's holy, inspired, infallible word? Don't ask Siri. You know what faith is? Faith is, here's the definition God gives us. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know the people that's got more faith than anybody I've figured out in this old world's farmers. They'll buy high-dollar seed, and they'll buy high-dollar fertilizer, and listen, they can't see nothing out of it, but they'll stick it to the ground. Now, that's faith. That's the substance of something hoped and prayed for, but evident of things not seen yet. Amen? Let me tell you what faith is, is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. I love the acrostic I've seen on the word faith. You ready for it? Forsaking all, I trust Him. Forsaking all the lies and the things I see, I trust Him. Now think about that. This world tells us a lot of different things that contradict, thus saith the Word of God. And our faith should be in the Word of God. So let me tell you what faith is. When the world is telling you something different than the Word of God, let me tell you what faith is. I can't see it, but I know it's so because God said it's so. I can't see it, but I know it's so because God said it's so. And if God says it's going to happen, go ahead and write it down big, plain, and straight. You can believe it's going to happen. Faith, what is it? The substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. But then, what faith does? Well, according to this scripture, the shield of faith stops the arrows and also quenches the fire. Well, that's good enough, but I want to go a little deeper in what faith does. You ready for this? It's come out of Hebrews 11. Without faith, it is, can you finish it? It's impossible to please God. What faith does, it pleases our God. That to me is better than knowing it stops an error and quenches the fire. Faith pleases God. Have you ever thought about it like this? You ever read the book of Job? I thought you had. 
So you are very aware of the meeting up in heaven and the devil traveling to and from. Are you aware that nothing that the devil brings to you don't first come across the desk of Almighty God? It was God who said to the devil, Have you considered my servant Job? Right? And man, did the devil, have you ever thought about it in this light? Go to fire in the darts. And they had some fire on them, didn't they? And how did he fire them? Who's our struggle against? Not flesh and blood. It's the devil. But who did he use? Man, Job's friends. How about Job's wife? That's who he was using to fire the darts. So as all that's happened, have you ever thought about it in this realm? I don't believe God would have ever said, if you considered my servant Job, had God not known that Job was armored up? Have you considered my Christian warrior, Job? He knows who he struggles against. He knows he's supposed to stand. He knows where his strength comes from. And he is armored up. Have you considered him? And so what happens? The devil goes to fire in the darts. What does faith do? Stops the darts. What's faith do? It puts out the fire. But what's the big thing it does? Can you imagine what it'd been like up there for God? Hey, son, watch this. Hey, Holy Spirit, get up here, angels. Watch this. Watch Job, how well he uses that shield of faith. Watch this. His friends are going to come and they're going to fire from that direction and he's going to have it there. Now watch this. Then his wife's going to come from that direction and watch my warrior. He's going to stick it over there. Come on. You ever thought about it like that? Job, when the devil started firing the darts, how it must have pleased God when he watched down and watched old Job with his shield of faith. Stop this dart. Put that fire out. Stop that that arrow put that fire and man that shield of faith was just running because I'm telling you something God was pleased with Job let me ask you something when the devil goes to fire and darts at you and sometimes it's going to come through your friends and sometimes it's going to come through even your family let me ask you something is your faith as you shield those fiery darts of the devil off is it going to please the one who sits high and looks low Man, I want it to please him. When the devil fires him at me, I want him to look down and say, Look at him, boys. Look at him, angels. Look at Rob putting that shield of faith here. And then immediately he realizes it's coming from over there. And he begins to shield himself from the fiery darts. You ever thought about it like that? That's what we need to do. We need to have our shield of faith. That's what kept Job from getting hit by one of the fiery darts of the devil. Even when he was using his friends and family to fire him. That's good stuff, folks. The best thing about it was God was pleased with Job because he was a Christian warrior and he was armored up. Above all, take up the shield of faith. Now we found out what faith is. We found out what faith does. 
don't let me close out on that piece of armor until I tell you where faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing Oprah. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. I'll tell you where your faith comes by. It comes by that Bible you hold in your hands. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And there's too many people that don't open the Word of God, therefore they've lost their faith. We better understand where faith comes from lest we lose our faith. Because listen here, that little boy on the Sunday school class, their lesson was on faith. He was on the church bus running back home. I don't know, Mark may have been driving it. I don't know. It was a summer day. The windows was open. And his little little uh, craft that had faith on it, the wind caught it, took it out of his hand, and took it out the bus. And he started hollering at the top of his lung to the bus driver, Stop! 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 And the bus driver looked back. He hit the brakes and he said, What's wrong? He said, I lost my faith. Folks, when we're not in the Word of God, we can be like that little boy. We have to say, stop, stop, stop. Because somehow, somewhere along the way, we've got out of the Word of God. And guess what? We've lost our faith. I had one catch me in the janitor's closet at Telequoia campus. That's where you meet with the preacher down there, I guess. And said, man, I don't know what to do. There's a young girl that's moved in with me and my mom. And we can't get her to church because her mom died of cancer. And she said she's just mad all over at God. I said, Genesis 1, let her know why death entered in the world. And it wasn't because of God. It's because of the serpent. And then go ahead and remind her. Because you said, she said her mom was a devout Christian. Oh, yes, that's the problem. I said, go ahead and tell her to die as gain. Blessed are those who die in the Lord, and precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of one of His saints. Go ahead and tell her to get back in the Word of God, because that's where faith's going to come from. When the tough stuff happens, let me tell you, you need the Word of God so you understand who's behind this thing called death, who the reason death even entered this world. Amen? And the ultimate victory for a Christian, guess what? Is to arrive in heaven. Amen? So, above all, Paul says, take up the shield of faith. But then, the fifth piece of armor, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, the emphasis here would be our mind, wouldn't it? And so, we got to protect our mind. How many of you has heard, if you're going to win the battle, it'll be won Right up here. It'll be one between your ears. And see, our mind, before we get saved, it's pretty corrupt, isn't it? I mean, in that mind, you see one of the opposite sex, and it's just not men looking at women, it's women looking at men. In that corrupt mind, you see somebody attractive, and that mind goes where it shouldn't go, does it not? In that mind, when you get angry, you want revenge. That mind, every, every action starts with what? A thought. And that mind 
goes somewhere it shouldn't go when you're angry. It's corrupt. It wants revenge. It wants to get back. That mind, you hear me tell a story about the guy that went up on the hay. Huh? This mind went where it shouldn't go. Wants revenge. I sold a potload of steers this week. I sold them to an individual. Now, let me tell you what happened. I had two guys bidding on them, Bob. And I decided I didn't hear from the guy in Texas, so I take the first bid. And right after I take it and tell him that's the deal, no handshake, no nothing, I'll take it. Right behind that, a man calls and bids me $2 more a pound. You say $2 more a pound, 50,000 pounds. This mind went, how can I get out of that deal and take that deal? My mind went the same way that the guy that done me wrong on the hay. But the difference is my mind's been redeemed. Now, what I'm saying by that one Tuesday morning, I didn't just get a new heart. I got a new mind. And see, what happened on the hay deal is that guy saw more money and he didn't take thought, that, ca- that thought captive, did he? See, what happened to me, I thought about it, but I thought I've got to redeem mine. That's not an option. It don't matter if it's six thousand more dollars. It don't matter if it's seven thousand more dollars. It don't matter. I've done give a guy my word. So this redeemed mind got that thought. What happens when a redeemed mind opposite sex sees something? They take that thought captive. Instead of undressing that person of the opposite sex and in your mind, guess what? That thought becomes captive. Yeah, they're attractive, but listen, they're attractive. God created them for that. That's not mine. That's off base. A redeemed mind takes those thoughts and they take them captive, right? When you're angry and you want revenge, what did you used to do? You used to get revenge. But since you're saved, you've got a redeemed mind. So what I'm telling you is, when we have the helmet of salvation on, we realize we can't do in our mind what we once done. We've got to take every thought captive, get it out of there that exalts itself against God. And you won't do that without a redeemed mind. I'm glad one Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck, I not only got a redeemed heart, But i got a redeemed mind, and now I know how to take those thoughts that exalt themselves against the things of God captive. But let me tell you how you keep that mind like that. You renew that mind. It's not only a redeemed mind, it's got to be a renewed mind. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you, I beg you therefore, is what that means, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, look here, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world. What's this world say? Come on, before your mind was redeemed, the opposite sect, your mind would go crazy and you'd discuss that in the workplace. Come on, I know how it worked. What did your mind do before it was redeemed? When you got angry, you done like the world. 
When you got a better offer, your word didn't mean nothing. But look here, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Your redeemed mind's got to be a renewed mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Put it like this. Paul said to the church at Philippi, Let this mind be in you, which was also... Where? In Christ Jesus. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we are protecting our mind and we're trying to have, striving to have the mind that was also in Christ Jesus. The helmet, a very important part, protects the mind. And then our sixth piece of armor. Look here. And take the helmet of salvation and the Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Have you picked up? Now, the, the shield of faith was our first piece of armor that moved that wasn't stationary. But all of them, five of them thus far, have been what? Defensive. Now we got our offensive weapon. We've got the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is living and it's powerful. And what else is it? Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So listen here. The Word of God. It's where our faith comes from. The Word of God where our mind gets renewed. It's our offensive weapon. It's actually a piece of every part of the armor, isn't it? So, we need the Word of God. We need it for our conversion. We need it for salvation. 1 Peter 1.23 says this, Having been born again, listen to this, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through what? The Word of God, which is abides forever. The law of God is perfect at what? Converting a soul. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the Word of God. So we've got to have the Word of God for salvation. But secondly, we've got to have the Word of God for purity, for cleansing. John 15, 3, you know what Jesus said? He says, you are already clean because of the Word which I spoke to you. Let me tell to you young people, I know we don't have a whole bunch of you around but the psalmist asked a question. And how many of you know when the Bible asks a question, it's not looking for you to give the right answer? It's asking a question so you'll get the right answer. The psalmist asked, how shall a young man cleanse his way? We live in a world where it's pretty hard for our young people to stay clean, isn't it? You think that caught God off surprise that this day and time would be hard for young people to stay clean? I'm telling you it didn't whether you think it did or not. Because you've heard me say it. Is it occurred to you nothing's ever occurred to God? He ain't never said, oops, never. So he asked the question, how shall a young man cleanse his way in such a filthy world? And then he gives us the answer so we'll know the answer. By taking heed according to to your word. Just that simple. 
you are saved because of the word. And if you want to stay clean in a filthy and dirty world, it'll be when you're not here, but you take heed according to God's word. And then the sword of the spirit, we've got to have the word of God for conversion, for cleansing, but we've got to have it for progress. Listen to first, 2 Peter 3.18. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How about, how about the second chapter and verse 2? As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that they may grow thereby. I'm on grandchild number three. I believe she's the easiest flesh in one yet. Now I'm going to tell you, TL1, he was a pretty easy flesher. I'm talking about an easy keeper. That's what we want in our cows. We want them to stay fat on little of nothing. They're just easy keepers. I thought TL was a pretty good easy keeper. I thought, man, I believe we're going to keep him. And then along come Marty. And well, Marty's a pretty, pretty easy fleshing. But let me tell you something. We're breeding them right around the Pierce Farms. Because I look at old Taya. Bless her soul. She's fat. Now listen. When I say she's fat, her great-grandma on the other side didn't feed her the other day and told Reagan she's fat. Now that caused a little bit of trouble between grandma. I mean, she said, I'm just not going to feed her. That girl's too fat. Now, I'm just telling you, she made the Pharaoh Cattle Company newsletter because he's always big on the easy fleshing. And Donna carried her up there one day and was holding her. And she had this, uh, she had like a two-year-old clothes on. And she's only four months and she's filling them out big time. I don't know if it's two-year-old. But my wife walked in and said, what about her? I said, she's easy fleshing. I said, let me get a picture and send it to Kit and tell him we're raising them right around here. We might not be getting our cattle easy fleshing, but we're getting our kids and grandkids. We're getting it where they can put it on with a little bit of nothing. And I actually took that picture and sent it in, and it made the newsletter. She got seen by 8,000 people on emails as an easy fleshing uh, great-grand, uh, I don't know how to word it, uh, Bo. Trying to, I'm trying to give you pedigrees. We're putting it in them right. Let's just stop there. I don't want to dig no more holes. But she's easy fleshing. I want everybody to look up here. She'll let you know when she's hungry. She desires milk. She wants milk. And when I look at Taya, I just thought the other two was easy fleshing. I would to God that we could birth some baby Christians that would be spiritually easy fleshing and desire to dive into that word. I mean, wouldn't it be neat to see some spiritual babies? I mean, ain't babies so cute when they're chunky like monkeys? Huh? I'm just telling you, as a pastor, we want to see newborn babes desire the milk and grow like Miss Tay is growing. That's what we desire. That's what God desires to see. I mean, would you, you pick that over a little baby that's struggling and not eating and we can't get, huh? What do you think God, when he, when he looks down, what do you think he sees spiritually? He sees a bunch of people 
that are not eating and not digesting his word that he provided for them to grow. We need the word of God to grow. But then look here. We need the word of God for our performance. Be diligent to present yourself uh, uh, approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. The word of God is needed for salvation. It's needed for cleansing. It's needed for progress, for growth. It's needed for performance. But don't miss this one. This is what it's talking about in text right here. The word of God's needed for power. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Tie that with Revelation twelve eleven. You know what Revelation twelve eleven says? They overcame him. That's the devil. They overcame him by what? The blood of the Lamb. And what? By the word of their testimony. Here's something to chew on. Miss Addie's going to close in a song, and you got, you're going to have the altar to pray to come and lay something down at the table. I'm often asked, when Revelation 12 says they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, I'm often asked as a preacher, that testimony there, is that speaking of the testament, meaning the Bible? Or is that speaking of their personal testimony? Now, some of you have heard me do this before. How do I answer that question? They overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And then somebody says, does that mean the testament? It's called a testimony. God's word. Or does that mean their personal testimony? How do I answer? Both. It can't be both, preacher. I'll answer it again. Both. How's that? How overcoming is I take this testament and I say, John chapter 3, Mr. Devil, says if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Can I give you now what the testament said? I've given that to you. Now can I give you my personal testimony? One Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck, I did exactly what the testament done, and I've got a testimony. I've been born again. So when I say both, that means take this testament, this Bible, and get it, make it personal and go ahead and tell the devil that's what the Word of God says and here's where I've applied it to my life and that's how I overcome you. I say again, it's both. It means personalizing the Word of God. This testament, and you personally... Applying it to your life. That's what that verse means. I can't say John 3 says be born again, but I've never been born again. But I can say John chapter 3 says you must be born again. And then I can remind the devil, I've got a testimony. I was born again. You're not going to get me, devil, because the Word of God, His testament says to put on the whole armor of God. And let me tell you, this morning I got up 
And let me tell you what I've done. I took some things off so I could put some things on. And I put on the helmet of salvation. You're not going to get in my mind today, devil. And let me just tell you, when you're firing that dart, I've took up the shield of faith and I'm going to stop the darts and I'm going to quench the fire. And let me just tell you, you're trying to deceive me with some lies. Let me just tell you, the Bible says, gird your waist with the truth. And I've girded my waist with the truth. And I know that's a lie. You're trying to get me to fall apart. You're trying to get me to fall down. You're trying to trip me up. And let me tell you, I know it's a slippery slope up there to Mount Calvary, but I've shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and they got some hobnails on them. They got some traction. And the Bible says, He who's wise wins souls. And I'm going to go to that person, and I'm going to do my best to help them up the slippery slope to the foot of an old rugged cross to save them. Are you with me? Take the testament, the Word of God, and put the personal application with it, and you can overcome the... Amen. That's a Christian warrior. But it ain't going to happen if we don't lay the things down that we need to lay down. There's room at the table. Let's all stand. Miss Addie's going to sing. Maybe there's something you need to lay down because Roy Shoop said it. Anybody here that went on that youth camp when we rode horses from 5P Farms to the Illinois River, is there anybody here that remembers that? My wife... Miss Georgia said, I remember it. She must have not went on the ride. But Roy Shoup come down there. We, we rode horses. I don't know, 10 or 12 miles and camped down there. You talk about some gluttons for punishment. But I can remember Roy Shoup, our theme verse was the armor of God that week. And I remember Roy getting up down there right on that river. We had the campfires going, a bunch of kids that rode horses down there. They tied the trees. and We all come in and Roy said... You know, it dawned on me to put something on, you got to take something off. I, I'll never forget him saying that. I'd never heard that when it come to the armor of God. He said, it says, put on, put on, put on. And he, and, and he used the illustration of, if you're going to put a football suit on, listen, you're not going to put them on over your pants. You're going to put cleats on. You're not going to put them on over your boots. You're going to put shoulder pads on. You're not going to put them on over this shirt and vest. Huh? You're going to put a helmet on. You ain't going to put it on over your cowboy hat or your ball cap, are you? First time I'd ever heard that. I thought, that's good stuff. Before we can put it on, we might have to take some things off. Is there something you need to lay down? Father, as Miss Addie sings, I pray that we'd be a church full of Christian warriors. I pray that we'd be a people that understand there's some things we need to take off before we can put on the whole armor of God. There's some things in our lives that need to be laid down. Yes, even on a Sunday night prayer meeting crowd, there's something that needs to be laid down. And Father, we thank you that there's room at the table to lay it down. Father, have your way in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.